Again, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, hold your hand up real high. Be glad to let you use one of ours. And let's all go to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. When I've been with you, we've been on a series for the last several times. I've been here and uh, we've talked about victory over death. And I'm, uh, I'm very excited about this whole series. And today, uh, in particular, uh, I believe a number of lives will be lengthened and spared and changed because of the word today. Would you believe that with me, that, that it will find the right ears and the right computers and the right homes and cars and places at the right time in the building today and beyond today, and that people will hear the word when they need it. And they'll get the strength and victory they need. This will be clearer to you as we go. But in 1 Corinthians 15 and 54. 1 Corinthians 15, 54. He said, so uh, when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption. And this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. Why don't you say that out loud? Death Death. is swallowed up in victory. Now, previously in this chapter, this this whole 15th chapter, he's talking about this subject. And previously he said that death was the last enemy that should be put underfoot. Death is not a friend. Death is an enemy. And we were not made to die. Death has come into the world because of sin. The wages of sin is death. And death has passed upon all men from Adam and down because all have sinned. But, hallelujah, Jesus is the answer to that. And he is the victory over that. And in that this chapter is talking about in that he has been raised from the dead, we will be raised from the dead. And so therefore, uh, death does not have victory and does not have final victory over us. Keep reading verse 55. He said, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? Now this is verse 55. He's been, the Spirit of God's been speaking through Paul since verse 1 on this. And by verse 55, I can hear him excited. He is sassing death. Can you see this? How many of you got something strong working in you when you're sassing death? You're going, death, where is your bite? I don't feel you. Death, where, where is your victory? You don't have any victory. You didn't win anything. Amen. Oh, friend, when we can stand by a graveside and say this. When we can look death in the eye ourselves and say this. Keep reading. Verse 57, the sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. Verse 57, but thanks be to God. Which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Say it out loud. Thanks be to God. Which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this verse has been used talking about victory over a lot of things. And I believe it's applicable. But specifically speaking in this chapter, he's talking about victory over death. Victory over death. 
Go with me to Hebrews, please, the second chapter, if you would. We've covered this in, in a lot of detail, and if this is your first time to be with us in the series, let me encourage you to go back in the Word Supply and get you uh, the CDs or DVDs, or get online, download it, won't cost you anything, and this is well worth your time. This, we, we've already gotten some really good testimonies out of this series of people that had been vexed and had problems for years, and this revelation is setting them free, and their life is being changed. And you can see this truth right here in Hebrews 2, verse 14, For as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, Jesus himself, took, likewise took part of the same, he, he became flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Did he do it? Did Jesus do it? Verse 15, And through doing that, through Jesus becoming flesh and blood so he could die and dying in our place and destroying him that had the power of death. What was the result? Delivering us who through the fear of death were all our lifetime subject to bondage. The fear of death makes you subject to bondage your whole life. You are not ready to live until you are no longer afraid to die. If you don't get free from the fear of death, it'll cripple you. It will vex you. It will torment you. And and the problem is, this is happening all over, but people are not recognizing it because it's happening in everybody else around them. This is why so many people, they, they don't want to be around hospitals, they don't want to be around cemeteries, they don't want to go to funerals, they don't want to talk about sicknesses or this or that and the other. Why they, like, they shudder and go, ooh, you know, let's talk about something else. Why? They're scared of dying. And all the myriad phobias, all their, and all their Greek and Latin names, <laughs> fear of heights, fear of flying, Fear of isolation, fear of this, fear of every kind of animal, you know. There's a fear of rabbits and, you know, <laughs> there's all kinds, there is. Have you ever noticed the list? It's just, it's ridiculous. Amen. And all of these are rooted in this one fear. People aren't just afraid of flying. They're afraid of crashing and dying. <laughs> they're not just afraid of heights. They're afraid of falling off and dying. <laughs> When you're no longer afraid to die, it does something. It changes you on the inside. There are people, they're afraid to go to sleep. They might die in their sleep. They're afraid to travel. They're afraid to get out and get on the road. There are people that have been imprisoned in their own homes. Because they just, or, or, or their, their, their diet has become so restricted because they're so afraid. Let me, let me give you a news flash. There's plenty of junk in the air you're breathing right now to kill everybody in here dead. And I don't care how organic or green you go, there's enough stuff in that stuff too to kill you dead, dead, dead. It's only your immune system and the power of God that's keeping it from happening. Come on, are you listening to me? And they are connected. But if the Lord tears his coming just that much longer... You're going to die. 
and everybody you know. Your dog, your cat, your goldfish. (laughs) And that should not bother you and scare you as a child of God. You're supposed to be able to talk like Paul. Death, where's your sting? Death, where's your victory? You got no victory. Jesus died and whooped you. (laughs) Through his death, burial, and resurrection, he says now in Revelation, I got the keys to death. Hell and the grave. If you got the keys, you got the control. And he didn't get it for himself. He didn't need it for himself. He got it for us. Said out loud, we have have victory over death. death. We, We talked about that there are some 7 billion or so people on the planet, they tell us now. And because of that, that many people, there are continuous arrivals, that's people being born, and departures. <laughs> that's people leaving. And these are, this is correct scriptural terminology. The Bible talks about departing, leaving here, going to be with the Lord. And uh, we're told that every second, almost uh, just a little over every second, two people die somewhere on the planet. So two just died, two more. Right? Two more. Two more. Before the day's over, some 155,000 people will have died somewhere on the planet. And yet, when people hear about somebody dying, they go, oh, you know, it's so awful, it's so terrible. No, it is the way of all the earth. It should not be so shocking and traumatic to us. And you should be ready. I said, you should be ready. Because it's coming. And if you believe God and have a long life, guess what? You're going to a lot of funerals. (laughs) If you live a long, long time, you're going to see a lot of people around you die and go. And if if that just incapacitates you every time that happens, then can you see you're subject to bondage? It's keeping you bound. No, it does not have to be. When you know the truth, what happens? The truth will make you free. Somebody say glory to God. Go with me if you would. Let's see over to the book of Acts and the 16th chapter. I want us to talk about something. Now it's it's a bit sobering, but uh, it's needful. And again, there's when you know the truth, it sets you free. There's victory in it. We've talked in detail about what happens when you die. The Bible describes this. If you've heard, there have been many people that have died and come back. And it's interesting to me, I don't care whether it's a 13-year-old in Africa or it's an 80-year-old in Montana, a completely different upbringings and background. You hear them tell the same thing. Next thing they know, they're up above their body, looking down on it. And a lot of times don't even realize that it's their body to start with. I heard person after person say, oh, look at that poor deer. Something's wrong with it." <laughs> and Paul said, concerning his experience, whether in the body or out of the body, I could not tell. So you may be out of your body for a little while before you realize, I'm dead. <laughs> and yet, you're not dead. 
It's not even the end of your body. The Bible said the Lord's going to come back and the trumpet's going to sound and that body's going to be raised and he's going to perfect it for you and give it back to you. But death is not the end. People talk about godless people talk about, you know, it's just blackness and nothingness. It's you're gone. That's it. The end period. It is not. It is not. You depart and Christians go to be with the Lord, which the Bible said is far better than being here. It's not loss. It's gain. And people that have described it say, I remember this one lady saying she was in a surgery and she died. Next thing she knows, she didn't realize it, but she she had died, and she's above her body looking down on the operating room, and and later on, she described to the surgeons what they did and what they said, and they were in shock. They were like, no way, because at one point they were talking about some things that weren't surgery related, (laughs) and she told them what it was, and they were shocked, and then she told them about a problem they had with a piece of the equipment. And they they knew that there's no way she could know that. Well, yeah, she was out of her body. But she described, she said, the uh, the colors, you can't describe. She said, you've never seen color this vivid. And you've never heard like this. It's as though all the plastic and junk is taken off of you. And you can really see and really hear. And you just have never felt so wonderful. It's never been so amazing. And then person after person after person, they say they saw the light. That bright, 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 amazing light that was just pure love. And they just knew I got to go there. And it took me a while after listening to this to realize, well, of course, God is light. Isn't he? He is. If it's like that. And I'm convinced it is. And it's so wonderful. Then why not just check out now? Just leave this place of tears. Talk about suicide. Why not just take your own life and get out of it? This has happened far too many times with people. Most everybody in here knows of somebody or knows somebody who does know somebody that's affected by somebody taking their own life. And it's hit them hard, caused numerous vacuums and holes and pain, losses. I want to talk about why, you know, if, if it's so much better being out of here for the child of God, why not just leave early? Why not just quit? Why not just go? Well, there's a bunch of reasons why not. And very good ones. And I'm going to give you a few of them. Are y'all with me, friends? You know, I was uh, displeased to read and see where the, they say that the third leading cause of death for young people between age 15 and 24 is suicide. Third leading cause of young people dying. That ought not be. It ought not be. It's, it's sad. It doesn't have to be. Why do people take their life? And what happens when they do? Again and again, it's connected to despair, depression, hopelessness. Again and again, it's connected to pain, 
people have come to believe it'll never be any better. There's no hope. There's no reason for me to stay. Or people come to believe, you know, I'm hurting. I just want it to stop. And they view it as a way of escape. But again, what happens when you die? If you kill yourself, is that the end? Is that lights out? No. You kill yourself, what's going to happen? You're going to come out of your body. And you're going to get a a close-up look at what you just did. I heard one lady describe it, and this is rare to hear this, but she became despondent and hung herself and died. And she said as soon as she was aware she was out of her body, she said she regretted it. She deeply regretted doing it. You know, it's different once you get out of the the flesh and all the junk that's around you, you see clearly. And thank God, one of her friends came in and found her, lifted her up, and and they gave her, you know, life-saving technique. She was restored. That's why she's telling the story, obviously. They got her back. And she was so thankful. You could hear it in her voice and her tears in her eyes, she had helped numerous people in the following years not commit suicide. She had talked to them about it. And, but why, why do, uh, does it happen? Has it happened so many times? Well, people get in pain and the devil is a liar. And he's mean. He's cruel. And, uh, you know, we, we saw third leading cause of young people. And I know, you used to be young, didn't you? I'm talking to all the adults, you used to be 13. You remember what it's like to be 12, 10? I do. And uh, that first heartbreak, it's awful. Because you've never had anything like that before. And to maybe fall in love, at least what all you knew about falling in love and and then somebody doesn't return your affection or feelings or somebody decides they got a better deal somewhere else and they just drop you like last week's trash and it hurts. And it's a hurt that you've never experienced and at that point of vulnerability the devil will come and say this is an unbearable pain. Nobody's ever hurt like you're hurting. That's a lie. Pretty much everybody has. The Bible said there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. Everything you're experiencing, people all over the world have gone through. But the devil has a way of coming. And if you'll listen to him, trying to convince you, no, this pain is an unbearable pain. What you're dealing with is, is hopeless Nobody knows. Nobody can relate. There's no point in going on. And sometimes in these moments of weakness and desperation, people do something they can't take back. And what I want you to see in the Word as we progress is that if you would just give God some time, you could see miracles. If you just give Him some time. I mean, now you guys that have been around a little while, like me, you made it past age 10 and 11 and 12 and 13, right? 
and you've been through some stuff, but, but you have a different perspective now. And you know that it hurts, that it's bad, but it ain't the end of the world. And if you can just give God some time, and like I say, go have you an ice cream and take you a nap. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And just give God some time. You can see miracles. Say it out loud. Things can change very quickly. Go with me to Acts, the 16th chapter. I said, we're believing that lives will be spared and lengthened. Are you believing with me through through these words? That they'll find the right ears and the right hearts today and in days to come. And the devil's devices will be revealed. Right? And people will see what's going on and they won't yield to it. In Acts, the 16th chapter and the 26th verse. Acts 16, 26. Paul and Silas had been beaten and imprisoned. Now, you know, they they weren't physically feeling wonderful. But the Bible said they prayed and they sang praises to God in that dark, smelly dungeon. If things are bad, do you have to get depressed and get down? You can be strong. And you can praise God in the midst of the worst stuff. Can't you? They're doing it. And as they're praising God, suddenly there's a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. Now that's a very specific type of earthquake, isn't it? Verse 27, and the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep and seeing that the prison doors were open, he drew out his sword and would have what? Would have killed himself, supposing... That the prisoners had been fled. Was he right? No. Wonder how many other people. Supposed this or that. And killed themselves. And it wasn't even true. You know Job. uh, Was suicidal at one point. If you want to call it that. And in the third chapter of Job. He kept saying this. Why? Why? Why did this happen? Why didn't this happen? Why? He kept saying, why? Why? And oh, you got to watch out for that, friends. You start thinking that and talking that and verbalizing it, it's an indicator you're listening to the devil. And you're going down a wrong, dark path. And you keep talking about what you don't have and what hasn't happened and what you can't do and what they didn't do. That's negative. There's death in it. And you get to the point where you're not thankful for all the stuff you do have. And everything that God has done for you. And is doing for you. And you get to where you can't see anything. But death and dark and problems. And that's when the enemy will suggest. Well that's the only way out. It's too bad. Never be any better. There will never be any any hope. You can never get back as good as what it used to be. And What did we say? Give God some time. Give him some time. To help you. Don't take it out of his hands. He, he's ready to kill himself. This is the, the equivalent of taking out your pistol and putting it to your head. They didn't have pistols. They had swords. And so he's got this sword up against his chest or his body. He's about to, you know, 
gut himself, whatever. He's about to kill himself, cut his throat, whatever. He's got the point. He's got the blade. And in verse 28, Paul cried with a loud voice. Oh, friend, listen to the word of the Lord this morning. What did he say? Do yourself no harm. Is there a word in the book to those contemplating suicide? Is there a word to those who think it's helpless and hopeless? Nothing can be done. It's the only way out. The Lord says, do yourself no harm. Don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt yourself. Did God say, don't hurt yourself? He said it through Paul. He said it by the Holy Spirit. Had it recorded in the Word for all generations. Don't hurt yourself. You reckon that would include doing things like cutting yourself or huh, abusing yourself, things that you know are destroying parts of your body? And everybody said out loud, don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt yourself. Tell your neighbor, look, look at somebody and say, don't hurt, don't hurt yourself. Tell somebody else, say, don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt yourself. Do yourself no harm. Don't hurt yourself. It is written. The Lord said, should we respect what he said? Then no matter how you feel, respect what he said. He said, do yourself no harm. We're all here. Now he's about to, you know, shove this sword inside himself. And he hears, we're all here. And he thinks, what? what? He almost was too late. Supposing. See, the devil's a liar. He'll come tell people, they don't, nobody cares about you. Somebody say lies. lies. You're not, you're doing nobody any good. You're just causing everybody problems. You're just, they'd be, everybody'd be better off without you. Lies. 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 You're just a big mess up. Never got anything right in your life. Lies. Come on, let's stand like, you never got anything right in your life. Maybe you sweetened the tea just right one time. Maybe you took the trash out. You come, right? Ain't no way you never did anything right. <laughs> Trimmed your eyebrows. Perfect. I mean, there's got to be something you did right in all this time. Why am I saying that? Because the devil's such a liar. And when you get in this negative, I've never done anything but mess up. That's a lie. You know it's a lie. Why are you repeating a lie? Nobody cares about me. You know that's not true. You know that's not true. They may not be happy with all the shenanigans you've been pulling, but don't mean they don't love you. (laughs) Right? Here's the truth. You are... A one of a kind masterpiece made in the image and likeness of God. And the next time the devil says you're not worth anything, ask him, how come then Jesus paid so much to get me? God's no fool. He doesn't pay a billion dollars for a 25 cent item. He wouldn't do it. And he paid the biggest price that's ever been paid for anything in the universe for you and me. Don't you believe the devil's lies? Don't you? Don't you sit and bow and lay in the bed and cry and feel sorry for yourself. And nobody cares. Nothing's ever right. And and, and I got no future. And nothing ever's going to happen for me. And how do you know? You've only been alive that long. 
What do you know about much of anything? Have some faith in your good God and give him some time to show you something. Right? Give him some time to help you and get you out and show you what he can do. Look in this situation. Guy's got the sword up against his his chest or his throat or whatever it is. He's just about to ram it. Thinking there's no hope, man. I, they'll execute me in the morning anyway, so there's no reason me staying around here. Everybody's gone. I'm, I'm, I'm dead anyway. I'm a dead man. And so that's how the devil talks. You're a dead man anyway. You're dead anyway. Dead to everybody. Now, when you hear that negative, negative talk, it's the devil. Yes. Don't believe it. Don't listen to it. Don't yield to it. And so keep reading. What Paul do? He said, "Don't do yourself any harm. We're all here." He said, you are? Pulls the sword away. You're here? It's pitch dark in there. Verse 29. He called for a light. He sprang in. He came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. Verse 30. He brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What if he had just been two seconds quicker on plunging that sword in? Keep going. They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And your house. Let's stop right here. What if it had been two seconds quicker plunging the sword? What about his family? Keep going. They spoke to him the word of the Lord. And all that were in his house. Keep going. He took them the same night of the hour of the night. Washed their stripes. And was baptized. He and all his. Straightway. Verse 34. And when he had brought them to his house. He said meet before him. And rejoiced. Believing in God with all his house. A couple of hours ago, he had the pistol to his head with the hammer caught. A couple hours ago. And just a few hours later, he's sitting up there laughing with the man of God. All of his family saved and loving God and free. Come on, are you listening? What he would have missed if he would have taken his life in that moment of desperation, believing lies that they were all gone and there was no hope and he'd be executed anyway. Can you see what was going on? How the, how the devil so subtle and so deceptive and such a liar. What do we got to do in these situations where it looks hopeless and, and the pain seems unbearable? What do we got to do? Give God some time. Right? Psalm 91. Anybody like the 91st Psalm? Psalm 91. I want you to notice this. This is in the uh, God's Word translation. Psalm 91.14. He said, because you love me, I will rescue you. How many believe you could count on the Lord when he said, I will rescue you? I will protect you because you know my name. Keep going. When you call to me, he's not going to leave us and forsake us. I will answer you. I will be with you when you're in trouble. I will save you and honor you. Keep going. I will satisfy you with a long life and I will show you how I will save you. If you just give him some time. Give him enough. Do you believe he would do this? I'll be with you. I'll rescue you. I'll help you. I'll protect you. Let me show you how I can save you. Just give me an opportunity. Give me some time. 
Let me show you. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Why shouldn't you just check out, take your own life? Because it, it's, it's never what it seems like and feels like. The devil's lying to you. He's deceiving you. It's not the end. It's not hopeless. Here's something else you need to be aware of. Look with me in uh, Timothy, I believe it is. Well, actually it's Acts first. Acts, the 20th chapter. Then we'll go to 2 Timothy. Acts 20. Paul said this by the Spirit. Acts 20, 22. He said, Now behold, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save the Holy Spirit witnesses in every city that bonds and afflictions abide me. Did Paul have some challenges in his life? Did he have what you might call some low points where he was really tried and tested? Yes, Paul had his moments. I'm going to quote him. His moments where he despaired of life. But he made it through. And we're going to see how he did. He said on this occasion, I know bonds and afflictions are waiting on me there. The Spirit of God had showed him. Verse 24. See, if you're convinced, well, man, you know, my free life is behind me. My best days are behind me. All I got to look forward to is beatings and jail and this. uh, And to depart and be with Christ is far better than being here. Hey, mm -mm. what do you say? None of these things move me. You are to put that phrase in your arsenal. When you feel your lowest and your most stressed, what do you say? What do you say? Come on, try it out loud. Say it out loud. None of these things move me. The devil's trying to move you to despondency, to despair, to hopelessness and helplessness and make you think you are an utter victim. But he's wrong. You're a victor. You're an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. You have victory over death itself. Mm, I'm glad I came out to preach this to myself. (laughs) None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear to myself. I'm not desperately clinging on to these few days in this life. This is not all there is. So that I might what? Finish my course with joy. Not a last gasp of desperation, finish it with joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And the ministry which I've received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. You have, my friend, and I have, we all have, a God-ordained course that we are supposed to be on and we are supposed to complete. We are not supposed to stop halfway down the course. We're supposed to find and we're supposed to finish our course. Said out loud, I have a course. course. Now, sadly, a lot of Christians have just wandered all over the place. They've done everything under the sun except try to find out what they're supposed to be doing. But if you're alive, it's not too late to find your course. There's something you're supposed to be doing, something you're supposed to be involved in, people you're supposed to be hooked with, and you're not supposed to quit until you finish that course. 
You believe that? Now you'll be tempted. But doesn't the Bible talk about running your race with patience? Persevering? And listen, it's important because there's a lot of work to be done. And everybody needs to be doing their job. Because if you leave early and you don't do your work, guess what? We got to do it. (laughs) And uh, don't be surprised if you do that. And later on, we all show up at your house (laughs) and go, hey, what was the idea? Leaving early, not getting your work done. Us having to do yours and ours too. (laughs) I'm sure we'll forgive you and get past it, but (laughs) you may hear from us about (laughs) it. Now, some people say, well, yeah, but you know, aren't people that commit suicide, aren't they lost? I don't know why you'd think so automatically. If you were saved before you committed suicide, why wouldn't you be saved after? If you were lost when you committed suicide, you'd still be lost after. People have all these ideas about, well, technically, yeah, but if you did this and you already did, and could you get forgiveness? That's just men's reasoning and thinking. If you were saved before you did, you're saved after. And you know, why would killing yourself be that much different from killing somebody else? That's not an unpardonable sin, not an unforgivable sin. It's a sin. It's wrong. But no, no need to assume that because people committed suicide that they're automatically going to hell at their loss. I I see no reason to assume such a thing. If you were saved before, you're saved after. Like this woman described, you know, she, she wasn't saying that she was lost. She said she regretted it immediately. It hit her and she was sorry that she was so glad she got an opportunity most people don't get. To come back and get it right. Go to 2 Timothy 4. And I'll read this to you while you're, while you're getting that. Or you can turn to that too. I may be rushing a little bit. You got time for this or not? Yes. Got time to take an extra minute and yes. do it right? Yes. Well then go to 2 Corinthians 1 then. Yes. And relax. Yes. Right? Because you're going to be around a while. You're not leaving early, right? You're not, so you got time. <laughs> we're, not leaving, we're not checking out early. We're all staying to the last dance. Right? (laughs) We're going to turn off the light and shut the door, right? (laughs) 2 Corinthians 1 8. He said, We would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Paul's having some moments, isn't he, here? He, he said, we despaired of life. What does that mean? You didn't want to keep living, didn't want to keep going. This is Paul. I don't care who you are, how much you think you know, how much of God you think you know about, you can be pressed beyond your limit. You, you, can, you can be pressed to the point where... Uh, it doesn't just seem you can't handle it. You actually can't. I know a lot of people think, well, I'm strong. I can handle anything. Anybody can be maxed out and pushed to the point where you'll be tempted to despair of life. Anybody. And if you think not, then you've never been that far. But we need to learn what he learned because he didn't quit. I said he didn't quit. Verse 9, we had the sentence of death 
in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raises the dead. This is victory over death, isn't it? The devil will come and say, you can't handle this. You, this is too much for you. You're not able to overcome. You're not able to deal with this. And a lot of times you need to look up and go, you know, you're right. I can't. I'm not enough. But I'm not alone. I got somebody with me. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And Paul, there, there was time, remember when he pressed the Lord about helping him about that thing that was oppressing him and vexing him? And what did the Lord tell him? My grace is sufficient for you. And when he got the revelation, he said, when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. When I get to the place where I got no more, that's when I tap into the Almighty. That's when something comes up inside me that's beyond me. You'll notice people that get ready to commit suicide, they keep talking about, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't handle this, I can't do this, I can't go on. No believer should talk like this when the scripture says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Don't say I can't. Maybe in yourself you can't, but through him, Christ Jesus, who strengthens you, you can. You can. Keep reading. On this text right here, he went on to say, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raises the dead. Keep going, verse 10. Who delivered us. This sounds like the 91st Psalm, doesn't it? Did he deliver Paul? Was he with him? Did he protect him? Did he rescue him? Did he help him? Did he honor him? He delivered us from so great a death, and he does deliver in whom we trust. He will yet deliver. Don't you like this? He delivered us. He delivers us. Anything happens in the future, he will deliver us. We're going to make it. We're not going to quit. We're not going to give up. We're not going to say it's hopeless. We're helpless victims. No, we're not. When I'm weak, that's when I'll be strong. God will come up in me. His spirit will quicken me. He'll help me. Now, if you despair, if you pull the trigger, if you swallow the bottle of pills, take it out of God's hands, don't give him any opportunity or time, you have no idea what you missed, what you might have been able to help your family with. Friend, your victory is other people's victory. When you overcome, it affects lives around about you. Do you know it? And if you give up and quit, it will affect lives around you. You know, you would not want to give up and quit and inspire three other people to commit suicide over the next 10 years. Looking at you and thinking, well, if they couldn't make it, I can't either, so I might as well check out either. You don't want to be that kind of inspiration. You want to be the inspiration of the man and woman who no matter what it was, you wouldn't quit. You held on to God. And he turned the situation around and showed you how he could save. And then year after year, when people ask you about it, you can stand up and say, yeah, it never gets too bad for God to help you out. He will help you out of any. I know I felt like it, but he, I, he brought me out. And oh, I'm so glad I didn't quit because I've enjoyed this. And I've been a part of this. And this last 10 years, we've had this. And now I'm not just going in empty handed. I got some fruit. I got some rewards into the next life. Hallelujah. I about preach myself happy. I'm not quitting. How about you? I, I'm going to run my race. I'm going to finish my course. In, in 2 Timothy, that's what he said. 2 Timothy 4. Years after 
All these things had transpired. Man, you've read some of the list of his ordeals. Shipwrecked, beat, stoned, betrayed. He saw some stuff, didn't he? But listen to this, 2 Timothy 4 and 5. He's telling Timothy, young minister under him. He said, watch in all things, endure afflictions. He also told him, you know, uh, like a good soldier. Endure affliction. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry. Verse 6. I'm now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. They're boarding right now. My flight's about to leave. Oh, friend. He goes on to say, verse 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished. Oh, is that music to your ears, friends? I have what? I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Glory to God. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me at that day, not to me only, but to all them that love his appearing. Would that be us? Now, God's a faith God. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Is it faith that in desperation you quit, you give up, you don't try anymore, you succumb, say, I'm I'm defeated? Because as soon as you get out of the body, guess who you're going to see? Right? Is He going to be pleased with you that you quit and didn't try? No. What pleases him? Faith. Faith. Back up to verse 7. Isn't this so much better than being cut off in midlife? Robbing yourself of the remainder of years? I mean, if you got another 50 years, 75 years to go, it will pass by so quickly. Like telephone poles on the highway going 100 miles an hour. I mean, right? I mean, it's next thing you know, you're going to look up. And it's going to be time to go anyway. Why cut it short? These days are precious days that we have. Our time down here is very precious. Isn't it so much better to stick it out through the pain, through the anguish, through the desperation, through the temptations to say, no, no, I don't care. I don't care. God has helped me before. He'll help me this time. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to take my own life. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to give him time to help me and show me. And then you make it and it gets better and it gets better and it gets better and you get free. And then something good happens. I said, then something good happens. And then something even better than that happens. And then there are challenges, but you overcome them too. And But then something good happens. And there are tests and it hurts, but you don't quit, and then something good happens, and the next thing you know, you get up one morning and you realize, glory to God, I'm done. Time of my departure is at hand. And I can honestly say, I'm through. I don't feel like there's more I've got to do. I have fought a good fight, I have run a good race, I have finished. I'm about to reach out and hit the ribbon. 
I, I, I'm finishing my race. And next thing you know, you're out of your body and you meet him. And he says, well done. Well done. Good job. You were faithful in a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over much. You didn't quit. You stayed with me. And all the pain and anguish of the earth will be like a long lost something that happened in three seconds and you'll never think about it anymore and you'll have eternity to enjoy the fruits of your reward. I want you to try it it on, see how it feels. I have fought a good fight. (laughs) I've finished my course. course. I've kept the faith. faith. And I'm ready to go. go. (laughs) Isn't that the way to do it? After you've seen it all, done it all, and you're old. You so old. Old people call you old. (laughs) And then you're out of here. Go to 1 Corinthians 6, and I think I can close with this. 1 Corinthians 6. Why shouldn't you just end it? Why shouldn't you just take your own life? There's lots of reasons why. Isn't there? The devil's a liar. It's never as hopeless as it seems to be. If you just give God time, you got a course that you're on, that you're supposed to finish. You need to do it. You need to go all the way. And finally, why should you not commit suicide? Why should you not take your own life? Because you are not your own. You're not your own. In 1 Corinthians 6 and 19... This is the, let's look at the easy to read translation. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Easy to read. He said, you should know that your body is a temple for the Holy Spirit that you receive from God and that lives in you. You don't own yourselves. You don't own yourselves. Verse 20. God paid a very high price to make you his. So honor God with your body. You're going to strangle it. You're going to blow a hole in its head with a 44 Magnum. You're going to swallow a bunch of pills. You're going to cut its wrist. Whose body is it that you could be doing all this to? Whose is it? Well, it's my body. Is it? Actually, it's been bought and paid for with a very high price. And before you do anything to it, you need to come to him. And tell him that you're thinking about doing this to his body. And see what he says about it. You think he's ever going to give you permission? To blow a hole in the head of his body? Cut its wrist or any such thing? No. 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 He's going to tell you no. Don't you dare do that to my body. (laughs) I bought it. I paid for it. I'll heal it. I'll help it. Hmm? I'll resurrect it. (laughs) I'll transform it. But no, you don't have a right to do just anything that crosses your mind with it. It's not yours. It's his. Like we said, don't you think that would include when he said, do yourself no harm? Don't you think that would include cutting yourself, defacing yourself, maiming yourself, 
hurting yourself with large quantities of drugs or other kind of things that you know is damaging, you know is hurting you. It's not just your body. It's his. So why don't we take care of his body? Do what he says do with it. Sanctify it to his service. And you know, if it's sanctified to his service, he has an obligation to maintain it. Did you know that? If it's sanctified to his service, I count on that. I say, Lord, now this body is in your service. I'm counting on you to keep it up. Keep it working. Till we run our whole race and finish our course. I say it frequently. This body will serve me well as long as I need it. It'll serve me well. God will keep it that way. You are not your own. Stand on your feet, everybody, and let's acknowledge these words before the Lord. Before you leave this world, I want to give you a simple checklist. Real short, just just about three items here. You make sure you check off before you get ready to check out. Number one, are you born again? Please do not leave this place unsaved, dying in your sins. You need to know that you know that you're saved and right with God. Secondly, have you finished your course? Do you know you've done everything you're supposed to do? And finally, are you satisfied? Close your eyes. Look up towards the Lord in your heart. If you're here in the building or you're watching my internet or you're hearing this later and you have contemplated suicide or you've attempted suicide and you see the word and you see the truth, just repent before the Lord. Nobody else necessarily has to hear it. You can say it inside yourself. You can say it under your your voice and just tell the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent for listening to the devil's lies. I repent for yielding to hopelessness and helplessness. You are greater than all. Nothing's too hard for you. And everybody say this, whether it's today or in the future, said out loud, by the grace of God, I will not quit. By his strength in me, I won't give up. When my strength is gone, when I'm not enough, you are with me. Your grace is sufficient for me. And when I can in myself, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As you help me, I will fight the good fight. I will finish my course. I will keep the faith. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.